Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. We continue with our discussion about the lack of trust in some youth. The second of a two-part series with Ron Arkin and John Kircherow. Ron Arkin is a family empowerment facilitator with Mendocino County, California, Child Protective Services. John Kircherow spent 13 years working as a crisis counselor, intervention specialist, and substance abuse counselor in several school districts throughout Mendocino County before becoming the director and principal of the Willits Charter School for grades 6 through 12 in Willits, California. Their counseling work focuses on youth from families where abuse of drugs and alcohol is common, often among both the parents and the children. This abuse frequently results in serious family dysfunction and lack of trust, making school and home life very difficult. Part two, recorded on March 21st, 2014, begins with John Kircherow describing his approach as a counselor. This approach is known as the Laytonville model. I'm going to kind of think back to when I was first starting in the field, uh, working for Mendocino County Youth Project, and uh, about the same time I was a uh, staff member at Discovery Group Home with uh, a wonderful uh, uh, counselor, therapist, uh, Andy Mattern. And, you know, for me, it's about showing up. Uh, and oftentimes those, uh, those relationships are, are built at first on just students or young people knowing that you're going to keep coming. And it's a challenge, uh, but I often don't uh, come into a, a counseling relationship with the idea of, of helping them start sharing intimate uh, parts of their life immediately. Uh, sometimes it's a quiet walk. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a game of hacky sack or a game of one-on-one basketball, or, and sometimes it's in the weight room. The weight room seems to have a special uh, ambiance. A special yeah, draw. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, I, I started doing that early on when the opportunity came up in schools. I was given keys to weight rooms, and, and I would have individuals uh, that I'd work out with uh, because it was a place where I connected with my father. Uh, my father and I had a challenging relationship, but it, but it felt good in the weight room. And I'm not somebody that, that, that lifts every day. I, I'm not saying that that's the, the answer for everybody, but it's where my comfort zone was and where I formed uh, the best part of my relationship with my father. And it's also, I think, a metaphor for, for counseling. Uh, when you're in the weight room, you're, you're communicating. Uh, it's a safety issue. Uh, when you're spotting somebody on the bench press, they have to trust you that they're, that they're not going to play around and, and not take it off your chest if you can't lift it. Uh, you, you keep an eye on each other's progress, and you have honest conversations about something that's not not so personal and intense. It's more about how many reps you did and what are you going to work on today. And uh, I think the more human beings in general practice communicating, the more they want to delve into deeper communication. Ron Arkin, your thoughts on non-traditional types of counseling? You know, um, besides the weight room, John, uh, a couple of years ago, could have been seen probably from about, what, quarter to 7 to 7.30, out in front of Sanhedrin, which is the uh, continuation school in Willits, playing hacky sack with a circle of about uh, five guys. And I would drive by and see them out there and sometimes honk, mostly be ignored, and I'm on my way to Laytonville. But it always impressed me that what a way to start a day for these kids. 
is connecting with John with Hacky Sack. Maybe not a word was spoken. Maybe it was just a connection and a feeling of safety. And the reason I think that's so rich is because when a word then does get spoken later on in the day, it gets heard and it gets listened to. And so a lot of the basis of the non-traditional approach is a way of being heard. Remember, what we're dealing with are kids who have strong reasons and develop skills to not trust, to not be heard, to not communicate, to not trust the kind of things that we're talking about, and to assume that people like us are here to give them lectures and tell them how to live. And as soon as that happens, they turn us off. So the non-traditional approach has to do with being able to genuinely connect with the various individuals in front of us. And Ron, you've been working in this area, this professional field in this region, the Laytonville region of Mendocino County, for how long now? This is my uh, 18th year in Laytonville. Tell us about the changes that you've seen over time. It's actually now being referred to in various circles as the Laytonville model. Laytonville model is built on a history of relationships, collaborative relationships, that have organically grown over, really over the, this period, almost of 18 years. The current superintendent of Laytonville started as an elementary school teacher 30 years ago, um, worked her way up to being principal of the high school and has been, is currently the longest standing superintendent in Mendocino County. Um, the leadership that she has provided and the history that she has provided When you've been in a community like that for 30 years, you are now uh, uh, working with children and grandchildren of students you've worked with. So when you're working with a student who you've not just worked with their parent, but in some cases even their grandparent, um, it's a pretty strong bond. And so what we've been able to establish is a three-legged approach. One is the Family Resource Center, which is directed by a a graduate of Laytonville High School, the school itself directed by the superintendent, and the Cotto Reservation, which has uh, become very much a part of the uh, collaborative Laytonville model. And it's all built on instant and clear and respectful communication that we can count on instantly. There is virtually no bureaucracy We're able to make decisions. We have regular case conferences. We've learned how to trust each other. We've learned how to resolve our conflict. When you say we learn how to trust each other and we learn how to resolve our conflict. Right. Respectfully. Who are the we? We would be the school representatives, including principals, superintendent, school psych, um, uh, family Resource Center, including the executive director and a couple of counselors, Tapestry Family Services, including a therapist, licensed therapist and a rehab counselor, um, and oftentimes a tribal leader or an elder from the Cotto Reservation. And how and do the students fit into the we? So we are, all of us, working with those students in different capacities, and we get together on a regular basis to be sure that we're consistent, that we're on the same page, that we have the same goals, that we're employing the same strategies to achieve those goals, to identify areas where there's problems with trust and problems with safety. Um, and we just continue to calibrate and recalibrate our, our, our approaches until we feel like we're on a su- successful trajectory. John Kircherow, you're nodding. Your comments on 
on the Leightonville model? Well, I'm nodding because I, I, I miss it as well. It was part of a team that I could join uh, once to twice a week and part of my, my job as a Bronco substance abuse counselor. In your work as the director and principal mm-hmm. of the Willits Charter School for classes 6 through 12, mm-hmm. are you able to employ this model? You know, it's, it's my constant attempt. You know, to you know, I have really wonderful relationships with the therapists uh, that that work in our school from Tapestry from Redwood Children's Services. We have our uh, district uh, school psychologists uh, and our resource teachers that I form uh, very close relationships with. And yes, we meet through IEP teams and uh, case conferencing. As so, much is as there possible. S- is there something that works against this model? Uh, yeah, I think the expectation that the, that it's not possible. Uh, and and I think that's something that, that Ron and I both uh, carry into our work worlds is we expect uh, the best out of people. So the expectation that it's not possible is similar in a dynamic to the expectation that the kids who you talk to uh, have in their life, that that's the way things are. Absolutely. So in your role as uh, director and principal of the Willits Charter School, the, the upper age group. What strength or powers do you have to be able to foment the change and, in fact, implement this change of expectation among the outside professionals who come in? Uh, I, I don't think it's a, a, a power or even really a, a, a skill skill set. It's it's really, uh, and, and I don't mean to, to sidestep that, that term, it's it's expecting the best out of people. It's communicating honestly and directly with the service provider, whether it's a tapestry or a Redwood Children's Services therapist, whether it's a youth worker from Mendocino County Youth Project or a, a school psychologist. Uh, we have honest conversations. We sit down in my office and we talk about kids and we talk about resources and we talk about strategies. And as much as possible, we, we, we try to uh, help each other. You're talking about the adults in the room to trust them, each other. Yes, Let's move on to that in just a moment, but before we do, I want to say that in this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Ron Arkin, a family empowerment facilitator with the Mendocino County Child Protective Services and the Laytonville School District, and John Kirchero, the director and principal of the upper classes of the Willits Charter School in Willits, California. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. I sense, John, when you talk about developing the trust, that there's some resistance among some of the professionals who come to the community. How do you deal with that? And I guess we should begin. Is my assumption right? It exists. But how do we, how do we approach it? How do we deal with it? Is, is to not give it the power, is to understand that these are human beings, these aren't, aren't degrees on the wall. These aren't, you know, robots. These are human beings coming in, and for some reason, they are working in the field of youth development. Ron, your comment? Well, I really like what John said about how, you know, the adults in this room are absolutely uh, human. <laughs> and they bring in all of the uh, human frailties that we all have. The point being, though, if what we are doing in our collaboration is, in effect— the same kind of issue of not being able to create trust and safety amongst each other, being able to resolve conflict amongst each other, then in effect, we perpetuate as a team the issues and the problems that we're having with the kids. I think that was the point of the question you were making. And I think it's a very, very strong and important point because it's easy to fall into that trap and it's easy to get in 
um, in, into denial. And the assumption that I have on the reality of all of us being human is that we bring to every encounter the previous experiences in our life that become fundamental in how we relate with each other. Gender roles, um, language roles, cultural roles. And if somebody doesn't fit into the ones that we're looking at, there's uh, a block. That's right. And nowhere is that tested more than in conflict. So if we have disagreements on what's the best way to deal with the kid, what if the teacher says that kid deserved to be told, shame on you, and it's about time he starts learning how to accept words like that. That could create a horrible polarization or it could create a very rich conversation. It depends on the safety and trust of that collaboration. And I would just like to say out there to Radioland, Laytonville has achieved that level of safety and trust. And it is the reason, I think, that we are all enjoying working with each other as much as we do. So can we do a role play? Uh, if it works with the two of you, John Kircherow, Ron Arkin, of a outside professional who doesn't do something in relationship to the Laytonville model. Who's who in your roles? John could be the delinquent on this one if you want. That'd be easy. So I'm the outside service provider coming in. Okay. And Ron, you are? I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'm going to attempt to communicate with, with this guy. <laughs> Role play. Here we go. So, John, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, what seemed to be your problem with communicating. Um, I guess it was communicating with me. It seemed like you were getting kind of angry, and it seemed as you were getting angry, you were, at least I felt, implying that I was um, misunderstanding you when I was asking how you felt that what you said to that student was helpful. And I just wanted to clear that up between us, that my purpose and point in that communication was to try to get on the same page. And I'm wondering if you felt judged or I'm wondering if you felt attacked. Well, actually, I, I didn't feel supported at all. Uh, I feel like now uh, that student is, is, you know, looking at me uh, like I don't have the backup and I don't have uh, the authority to, to do my job here. And I feel, I feel like we, yeah, we failed the kid because you, you took his side. And in my relationship with him now, you know, I'm going to have a really hard time because, because of, the, of what you did. Yeah, I can see how you felt undermined, and I, um, and I see that. I think I did contribute to it, um, and I want to find a way to, um, to, to address it with the student because the last thing— I want is for this kind of an outcome, but it is also the outcome that I've observed. I would like to bring the student in um, and actually revisit this conversation in front of the student. Well, as a, as a therapist working in your school site, uh, you know, I have a limited amount of time. I work in several other communities uh, and, you know, I don't see this uh, young person very often. And when I come in here, uh, I don't really have the time to spend uh, with you. I need to spend it with my client. That's what I'm getting paid for. And, you know, for me, uh, I just need you to stay kind of out of this relationship. Uh, right now, it's between me and that student. That's who I'm supposed to be serving. That's who was referred to my agency. And uh, yeah, John, that does create a problem because we do respect the work that you're doing with that student and absolutely want to be supportive. Uh, but we all have a role with that student. 
And we have grown to believe that each of our roles is complementary and connected and supportive with each other. Well, Ron, I, I'm, I'm in this field because I care about young people. Oh, I'm sure. And of that. I care about people in yeah. general. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not used to, to working with other people. Uh, that's, that's not what happens in most of the sites that I visit. I would love to be part of a, of a, of a broader team. It's, Great. A, it's a lot to carry when yes. it's just me and that student, especially when I don't have a connection with the other people that are, that are working with them on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. John, I've that, never done that before. Yeah, and that's exactly why we've ended up, because we've all been that lone worker out there and have grown over time to realize how much easier this work is, how much uh, more productive that work is when we really are drawing on each other's wisdom and when we really can be honest with each other on how we see each other affecting these students. And so I would, I appreciate, I really appreciate that, that comment. I would like us to get together with the whole staff and bring this out as a conversation, see if others are having those issues. So that would be an example, Barry, of attempting to Invite the collaborative team approach as part of the style or the approach of working with students. We treat each other the way we treat students. It's with respect. It's with um, with a real attempt to learn before we teach. So even though the role play that you just did was fabricated, it's uh, a fair example of problems that come up between the outside professionals and those who are there primarily for the community and the kids. And for me, I, I rather than see that materialize uh, for real in the building, I anticipate that a new service provider coming into my building or me as a service provider coming into someone else's uh, you know, school site or community site, that, that there might be that tension. And it's, it's really creating that, that empathy before uh, any problems happen. It's, it's foreseeing the, the challenges and, and doing the outreach uh, beforehand. It's kind of like that group communication is based on that individual uh, relationship that's formed first. So when I have a, a, somebody coming on site to work with my students, it's almost as if uh, I have a new student. I want to talk to them Individually, I want to flush out any challenges that might happen before they start working with our kids. And I want to be clear on what I just said a moment ago, that I do not intend to imply that the outside service providers are not there for the kids and are not there to be team workers. No, and, and honestly, it's, it's the opposite. The people that I've worked with in this county are unbelievable. Uh, and, and I don't say that uh, you know, lightly. Uh, I've worked with amazing therapists, amazing youth workers, amazing clinical supervisors and, and directors of departments, superintendents. Uh, we're all here for our community, and uh, I trust in that. Barry, can I just add one small point? Well, I think what happens is a culture is actually developed. And so when an outsider comes in to be a provider or be a helper, really it means that that person has to adjust to the culture. The culture that's developed by those who are already there. The culture that's developed over time. Exactly right. So if you look at a culture, for example, in when I was mentioning Kovalo about John, the culture there was to not trust outsiders. An outsider really would have to work hard and long to become trusted. I think in Leightonville, it's probably assumed that the outside provider is going to be trusted. It's just a matter of learning the ropes and meeting the people and focusing in on the work. Let's change uh, topics here for a little bit and and go back to the two of you. I'd like to know uh, from each of you, and Ron, maybe we could begin with you, is what drew you to this type of work as your chosen profession? 
That is a really tough question because I really wanted to be a running back for the 49ers. That's what I think I was really put on this earth to do. Actually, Barry, I think the real answer to the question is just all I know how to do. I think it's the only way I'd know how to make a living. Where did you learn? Where did you draw these skills? When I was in uh, college, I uh, worked in a housing project in uh, South Central Los Angeles. And I was the uh, only Caucasian within numerous miles. And I learned to survive and I learned to build trust. And I learned uh, how to join (laughs) another culture. Um, And it became a a journey of self-exploration that continues to this day. I think really all I've ever done through my whole life, whatever studying I've ever done, it's always been the same, which is trying to figure out who I am and whatever I learn from that, I try to bring to whatever this work offers. It just is my natural way. I can't resist asking, who are you? Um, (laughs) I'm Izzy's dad. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a uh, friend, I'm a uh, happy uh, warrior for the light. And I think what you just said was uh, about working in South Central Los Angeles was perhaps a lead into Eureka moment, and that perhaps was a Eureka moment. And if we could revisit what we said in our visit in part one about what you would like to do for the rest of your one precious life. Is there more? Really what I would like to do for the rest of my life is just get better at what I'm doing. I would like to keep doing it forever, and I would just like to get better and better and better at it. And Ron Arkin, in addition to Soul's Code by James Hillman, Is there another book that you could recommend? Well, I've lately become a big fan of Dr. Oz. And he's got a book called The You Manual, which um, I'm reading now for the fourth time. And it is How the Human Body Works. And it has changed my life in terms of the way I relate to my own human body. And John Kirchhero, what drew you to this type of work? I think it was a natural progression out of a very uh, challenging childhood. I had uh, parents that loved me, uh, but challenging relationships in the context of that. Uh, And uh, a a formative event uh, when I was nine years old, uh, my brother committed suicide and he was 16. And and for me, that led me to, to wonder why I'm here. What am I doing? And why is it worth being here? He was my hero. He was somebody I was trusting without looking too far ahead of him. And so it forced me into this, uh, this discussion with myself about what, what's important about being here. And as I went through my young adult life and uh, came out of the Army, went back to school, I always found myself uh, gravitating towards working with young men and young people in whatever capacity, whether it's as a supervisor in a health food store or whether it was uh, with the CCCs up in Lake Tahoe going through college. Uh, and aside from, I'd say, literally maybe three people that I could name right now in my uh, junior high and high school experience, uh, I don't recall people reaching out to me. I don't recall people noticing 
what I was going through and asking me if they could help. Uh, there were some pretty uh, obvious moments when I was, I was very down and very out, and people walked by me. And uh, for me, uh, I, I, try to, I try to identify what, what I may have been missing without enmeshing it too much with my own experience, you know. Perhaps the uh, sad circumstance of your brother when you were nine would qualify as, as a eureka moment. And uh, maybe we could move along and ask if there is anything else that you would like to do with the remainder of your one precious life. What I want to do with the rest of my life, uh, you know, one of the re- eureka moments, uh, honestly, is uh, just happened in August. I went back for a family reunion. Every three years I go back and bring my family. And uh, I, I had a eureka moment back there, realizing that uh, I needed to be home, which is kind of in the center of my East Coast family belt. And what I want to do with the rest of my life is find meaningful work in a new community and continue trying my best to show up for my family and for my broader community. Uh, and to me, in a way, it's a, it's a, it's a selfish path. Uh, I, I gain a lot from giving, uh, and that's where I get my sustenance. It's how I, uh, I, I feel good about my day-to-day is to, is to show up. Uh, and that's one thing my father and my mother taught me. Uh, they showed up, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent at any given moment, but they were there. And uh, I just want to show up. And the work that you would do would be similar to what you've done here in Mendocino County? Honestly, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I will probably uh, look for work in the counseling field. Uh, I'm also looking to open up a business with my son. Uh, I've had a restaurant in the past, so he and I are talking about a coffee house maybe together, working with my wife on a gallery. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I don't work in the field, I'll volunteer in the field. And finally, John Kirchrow, beyond The Warrior's Journey Home, is there another book that you could recommend to our listeners? Uh, I read a wonderful book uh, probably 12 years ago or more, and it was called uh, The Reinvention of Work uh, by Matthew Fox. And uh, it really helped me... Uh, change my my relationship with work uh, and turn it into more of a spiritual practice and uh, it's a wonderful book Ron Arkin, John Kirchrow thank you both very much for being with us on Radio Curious Barry, we're losing a treasure to Asheville, North Carolina on May 30th Mendocino County is losing a great, great warrior well, thank you, Ron, and uh, I can't say enough about our relationship and how it shaped me and, and my work in my life. Well, thank you thank both you. for being here. Thank you, Barry. Ron Arkin is a family empowerment facilitator with Mendocino County, California, Child Protective Services. John Kirchero spent 13 years working as a crisis counselor, intervention specialist, and substance abuse counselor in multiple school districts throughout Mendocino County before becoming the director and principal of the Willits Charter School for grades 6 through 8 in Willits, California. The book Ron Arkin recommends is You, the Owner's Manual, an insider's guide to the body that will make you healthier and younger by Dr. Mamet C. Oz. John Kirchero recommends The Reinvention of Work, New Vision of Our Livelihood for Our Time by Matthew Fox. 
John Kirchero and his family will be leaving Mendocino County and moving to Asheville, North Carolina in June 2014. This program was recorded in the Radio Curious Studios on March 21st, 2014. There are over 500 archive editions of Radio Curious on our website, www.radiocurious.org, where they're free for you to stream, download, enjoy, and share. We appreciate your curiosity, ideas, comments, and questions. You may reach us by email, curious at radiocurious.org. Christina Onestead is our associate producer, and I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.